Well, we are only a week away from, from Christmas Eve. I don't know if you feel the anticipation. Uh, I don't know if you have stood in long lines yet. Anybody done shopping? Wow. Some other people around you may not like you uh, right now uh, too much. Uh, if you're like me, I still have a little bit uh, left to do. But this anticipation we, we feel, we see it in the long lines. We, we see it in the parking lots where you can't move and you sit um, as if it was a huge event that has just taken place. Uh, there's this stress of getting the right things purchased and making sure we get enough things purchased. Uh, the stress of family gatherings, can we just be honest? Um, sometimes those are extremely stressful and we think I just got to get through that gathering of, of family members. But aren't you excited, right? In the midst of all of that, it might even be difficult for you uh, to, to, as we read and talked about today, that this idea of joy in the midst of all of that. Uh, adulting is hard. Being an adult is difficult. And, and I love having our kids up here today because uh, I don't think they, they know yet that this is supposed to be a stressful time, right? They don't, they don't know yet. They haven't sensed this tension uh, yet. One of the things I showed last week was some pictures of our uh, worship pastor. Uh, this week, Kristen, our youth pastor who was just up here, here's a, a picture of her as a little girl. Yeah. Yeah, the only good was going on in those days, right? I mean, like there, there wasn't the pressure and the stress. Um, man, all she wanted, I'm sure, was this little doll and, and she got it. And, and there was this joy to that, right? But then something happens as we get older. We kind of lose the magic of Christmas. We kind of even lose the story of Christmas. And I think if we're not careful, the longer we're in church, the longer we confess to be followers of Jesus, the less... We understand and know the story of Christmas. It kind of just becomes familiar. You expect someone like me in a service like this to get up and read certain scriptures and to talk about it in a certain way. And so we kind of come into these places thinking, okay, it's just, it's Christmas again and I know the story. And so we kind of wanted to come back to it and say, all right, well, this vintage Christmas, what, what if we make the old new again? That for some of you, the story has become so familiar. What, what if it can become new and fresh? And for some of you today, I, I know you've come, you, you've come to watch uh, nieces or nephews or, or grandkids or a friend. You, you've come and, and you're in this place. And maybe Christmas is something you know a little bit about. You know it's the birth of Jesus, but maybe you don't know the story real well. And so we thought, well, what if we just go back to the original story? What, what if we don't try and be too creative? What, don't we, what if we don't come up with something else? What if we just go back to the original story and we begin to ask the question, so what? So what? What does this mean for my life here and now? We know that for years God had promised to enter into our mess. That God promised to enter back into the story and he did that through Jesus and so when it's time, God chooses really the most unlikely people to make that happen. We looked at this last week, and he chooses Mary, a young teenage girl who's probably living in poverty. She's not married yet. And this is who God chooses to bring Jesus into our world. And nothing about this couple of Mary and Joseph is powerful. There's nothing really honorable to them. Uh, we see this if we fast forward and and Jesus is, is born, or before Jesus is born, and they're trying to find a place, right? And they kind of get stiff-armed everywhere they go. If they had any honor, if they had any power, there would have been made room for them. But, but everyone 
says the same thing. There's no, there's no room here for you. There's no room here for you. And so we know that Mary and Joseph are not a power couple. We, we know that and we, we see that, but this is who God chooses. And not only does he choose Mary, but there's a lot of other characters in this story that, that God chooses that we wouldn't normally choose. And this is what I want you to hear me say today. See, Christmas is really about God identifying with the marginalized, the forgotten, the lonely, and the helpless, not the powerful, not, not the ones that seem to have it all together, but, but it's these other people. And we're going to see this today again. In Luke 2, uh, in verse 8, we're, we're going to read kind of this announcement story. If you don't own a Bible, there should be a Bible around you somewhere. We'd love for you to take that. That's our our gift to you. Uh, It'll also be on the screen, and the page number will be the page number for that Bible uh, around you. Luke 2, 8, and I'm going to read this, and then I'll go back and and pull out some things. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, I don't know if you know what a herald is. A herald is someone who would have been employed or asked to make an announcement, uh, an important announcement. I don't know if you remember just a few years ago, uh, there was a baby that was born, kind of a big deal, um, when William and Catherine had their baby in 2013, uh, Prince William, they hired a crier. And here's a picture of... uh, I don't know if you remember this. Um, it, was, it was live. You could watch it. Uh, everyone was waiting for the announcement of this baby. If you want me to dress like this and make an announcement for you, a uh, small fee, I'd love to, uh, to be able to do that for you. But they, but they hired a guy. And so there were literally thousands of people, millions of people waiting to hear about this baby being born. And they hired a uh, Okay, now, now we kind of do this. We don't have the money. We don't have the, the prestige. We're not royalty uh, to be able to do this, but it still happens, right? We, we see this in announcements on social media, whether it's an engagement, whether it's that we're pregnant, whether it's a gender reveal. Uh, I don't know if you've seen some of these gender reveals. One of them is where they throw a, a ball. Usually the wife throws a ball to the husband and the husband will hit it and they'll explode either pink or blue. And you, you see what the the gender is going to be, this one is one of my favorites. Uh, the, the wife throws the ball and doesn't throw it very well. And instead of the guy catching it or trying to, he just lets it land at his feet. And so kind of anticlimactic, uh, we find out they're having a, a girl, but there are these announcements, right? There, there's someone who heralds 
who says what has happened. This is what God is doing in this moment. God, the, the, the son of God is born into our world and the announcement needs to be made. Now, God brings an angel to spread the good news. And if you think about it, if I was doing this, there would be a certain group of people I would share this story with, right? I'd want to share it with the powerful. I'd want to share it with the, the wealthy. I'd want to share it with the people who could get the message out as quick as possible. But once again, God, God doesn't always function like we do. God, God has a different plan and he comes to the shepherds. Now for us, we, we don't always get some of the, the meaning in the scriptures. We don't understand the context and what's happening in the, the culture. But this is a huge deal that God would choose the shepherds to herald the good news to, right? The, the shepherds, uh, they're nomads, they're dirty, they're, they're living in the fields, they're sleeping with their flock. They are known as thieves. The shepherds are known as thieves. They would often wonder, uh, are they taking someone else's flock? Uh, people would often wonder, as, as these uh, guys uh, would, would roam, uh, they would actually go on other people's property that was not their own to, to feed their flock. Uh, the, the shepherds were not highly respected. Their word couldn't be used in trial. They were outcasts. They were forgotten. They really were the powerless. And this is who God chooses to herald the good news to. Like if we put this in our context today, it literally would be kind of like a homeless person behind a garbage dump, behind a garbage can that everyone kind of forgets about, everyone assumes things about. This is who the message comes to first, that the king of kings has entered into the world. The one who would save. God chooses the shepherds to, to give this story to. Now, I wonder how the shepherds viewed themselves. Right? How did the shepherds see themselves? We know how everyone else saw the shepherds, but how did they see themselves? It's one thing to think about how someone else views us, but how do you view yourself? What has been said about you? What has been said to you? What are the, the rumors or the gossip or what have you believed about yourself? What has a, a parent said to you? And it's one thing for someone else to say it, but, but something happens when we begin to believe it about ourselves. Like, did the shepherds really believe that they were worthless? Did the, did the shepherds buy into the idea that they were thieves, and if they're thieves, they might as well live as thieves? That they didn't belong to anybody, they didn't belong anywhere. It is a lonely place to be when you begin to believe some of these things that other people say about you or think about you. It is a lonely place to be when you actually believe them about yourself. That you actually believe that you belong to no one and you belong nowhere. But God, but God in his grace, in his love, in his mercy chooses the shepherds. He, he chooses teams very differently than we do. I don't know if you remember when you were a kid and in and, and PE or at recess and people would play dodgeball and they would maybe line everybody up on the wall, right? This might have been the worst. Feel, like there might be tremors that are coming back to you right now because you're you're thinking about this, right? You, you didn't want that to happen because maybe you were the last to be chosen, right? There was always that sixth grade boy that was already shaving and he was like six foot and you knew they were going to pick that guy first, but, but maybe that wasn't you. 
Maybe you were the one picking teams and you knew exactly who you wanted on your team. We look for certain things, but not God. Not God. In this moment, he chooses the shepherds and he makes this announcement. You may have missed it. You may have missed it in the video we showed earlier. You may have missed it when I read it, but here's the announcement. I bring you, I bring you great news. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This literally in the language means everyone. Right? Sometimes we go into the scriptures and we pull out a word and we're like, what was God really saying? He literally means for all people. Even those people? Yeah, yeah. Even those people. Like you in your mind, think of who those people might be. Who, who is the person does not receive or deserve to receive forgiveness from you? Who is that group of people who are living in a way where you think there is no way this could ever be good news to them? Yeah, even those people. Even you even you, that this is good news of great joy for you. And so for some of us, we, we might play the game, well, okay, you, you talk poorly about the shepherds and we know what their, their story was, but look, I am not as bad as those people. Like, I'm not, I'm not as bad as my neighbor. I'm not as bad as the guy or the lady that I work with. I'm not, I'm not as bad as those people. But here's the truth, that we all fall short of what God wants for us. Every one of us. And so this is why this is good news of great joy for all people. And what is the good news? Well, a savior has been born, the one who will set everything right, the one that the people had been waiting for, right? The, the one who was going to come back and redeem them, offer forgiveness for anything they've ever done. So these shepherds, the thieves, the forgotten ones, they received this good news for themselves, that God's kingdom had entered into the world, and this good news was for them. Now, verse 12 is a verse I've read so many times, and, and I kind of just read it quickly, but, but doing some reading and studying, some things stuck out to me. This is verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Some versions say in, in swaddling clothes. Now, why is this significant? Uh, Michael's going to come up, and he's going to bring uh, his baby, Parker, yeah. Hopefully this goes well, so uh, just bear, bear with me. All right, so this is Parker. And so what would happen, I don't know if you've had kids. Uh, Michael has already swaddled uh, Parker. I remember with my daughter, man, she loved to be swaddled. Uh, it got to a point where she was so big, I feel like I had to use a full-size sheet to, uh, to, to swaddle her. Man, she liked to feel that, that tight feeling of being swaddled. And so you would swaddle for protection, for comfort, right? They, they want it tight. Well, we don't do this anymore, but what they would have done, and they would have taken a cloth, and it would have just been a blanket they would have done. Let's see if this can work here. They would actually take a cloth, and they would wrap it around the baby. Right? And they would make sure that the baby was protected, that he couldn't get out. Okay, hey, bud. Yep. Okay, so this isn't uncommon for us, right? Like if you had a child, you swaddled your 
your baby. Now, this is what's interesting that's happening in this, this scripture. We have to understand that the shepherds who, who were out in the fields, they had one job. And that job was to take care of the sheep, right? That, that was their, their main job. Now, what some people say are, are these shepherds that were in the field were actually watching over the sheep that would produce the sacrificial lambs, okay? So they, they weren't far from the temple. And in that day, what would happen is they would take a lamb and they would spill the blood of a lamb for the forgiveness of people's sins. And so what, what would happen is that the shepherds, as the lambs were born, they would look at them. And if they were spotless, spotless without a blemish, if they had all their legs, if everything was good, they would pick that lamb for they would pick that lamb to be sacrificed in the temple. And then this is what they would do. They would swaddle the lamb. They would take the lamb and they would wrap it in a, a blanket. And then they would take these cloths and they would tie the lamb up. And the reason they would do that is because they didn't want anything to happen to the lamb. It had to remain spotless and without blemish. And so when the shepherds are in the field and the angel comes and says, look, this is what you're going to find you're going to find a baby lying in a manger. Now, what we often think of with the, the manger is kind of the little wooden shack, but probably what would have been more likely is it would have been in a cave, right? And so in this area, the livestock would congregate in these caves. And the shepherds, when it was time for a lamb to give birth, would actually take them into the caves. They would deliver the lamb and they would place the lamb in a manger, or a feed trough. And so, listen, ho hopefully you, you're seeing this. So when the shepherds hear the angel say that this is good news of great joy, that the Messiah, the Lamb of God, has been born, and you're going to find him swaddled and lying in a manger, the shepherds know exactly what the angel is saying. The shepherds know that the one who would save had come. The one who would pay the price, the one who would be the lamb of God had come. They totally got and understood what was taking place. John 1, 29, uh, John at one point sees Jesus coming. It says this, the next day, John uh, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This wasn't just a line. This wasn't just for you and I. We, we know babies are swaddled. We, we know that happens. But for these shepherds, when they hear this good news of great joy, that they're going to find a baby swaddled, wrapped in, in cloth and lying in a manger. They're going to leave their flock. They're going to leave their lives for that moment to find this baby. And so we see that the shepherds in that moment, they, they leave, they walk away. And they have to go find this baby. Verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let, let's go find this baby. <coughs> and so here's what happens. The angel comes and, and heralds the good news. And now the shepherds become heralds. The shepherds become heralds and the shepherds go and listen, no one believes a shepherd. 
No one believes a shepherd. Why, why would this good news come to the, the shepherds? Why, why would God choose? Because I, I, I really believe that those that we often see as nobodies, God sees as somebody. Those that we count out, those who we think have no purpose or no plan to their life, God uses them as well. And so they become kind of the first evangelist to spread the good news. Verse 17 and, and 18, it says, when they had seen him, so they go and they find the, the baby. It says, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, there, there was something different about what they were telling people. Where people at first didn't believe or wouldn't listen, there's now this amazement. And so they spread the word. Now, I want to give you just really quick two, two quick reasons why I think we are not heralds. Two, two quick reasons, because here's the truth. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a lot like the shepherd. You are in great need of this Savior. You, you have received the good news of great joy. And if you have received that and accepted that, well, then our response, too, should be heralds. But why do we not? Uh, the first reason is I think we believe we have to have all the answers. Well, we think we have to have all the answers to any question that might be asked of us. And some of you are in this space today and maybe, maybe you're questioning and you're doubting. And my daughter who came up earlier uh, made the statement, we want to create a place where, where people can come and belong even before you believe. That we hope this is a place where you can come find community. You can ask difficult questions. We're not always going to give you quick and easy answers that we'll wrestle and we'll struggle along with you in these things. But I think we believe this idea that we, that we have to have all the answers, that, that maybe we think we're not smart enough, we don't know enough, that the Bible is new to us, we struggle between science and, and faith, we, we haven't read the whole Bible. Well, how can I talk about Jesus if I don't know everything there is to know about him? See, the shepherds didn't know everything. The, the shepherds were not speaking out of their knowledge, they were speaking out of their experience. They were speaking out of what God had done in their life in those moments. The early disciples who began to follow Jesus, they would often just say the phrase, just come and see. Right? Just, just come and see. I don't, I don't know everything Jesus is doing. I don't get it all. But just come and see. There was a blind man at one point that's healed by Jesus. And the people who were always trying to trap Jesus, the religious leaders, they, they want to know what had happened. And the, the, the line that the guy gives is, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who he was. You think he's a sinner. I don't know. All I know was I was blind, but now I see. Right? It wasn't this is, a, this is the truth behind all of it. This is how he did it. No, no, no. All he says is this is my experience. All I know was I couldn't see, and now I can. Maybe your story and my story when I, when I first began to follow Jesus was I had no hope. I was hopeless because of life situations and what was going on uh, for me as a junior high kid. And then all I know is I had hope. Right? Maybe it's you felt guilt and shame and, and then all of a sudden you felt forgiven and set free. Like you don't have to know everything, but that's your experience. That is your story. You didn't belong. No one accepted you. No one welcomed you in. And, and all of a sudden, God did. God did. It's good to know. It's good to study. But I promise lives are changed because of experience, not because of knowledge. Not because of knowledge. And, and you have an experience. If you are a follower of Jesus, he has done something in your life and you have a story. And the response is to herald the good news of great joy to the people who are around you. Uh, the other reason I think we don't do this is uh, we, we kind of want to be accepted. 
We want to be liked. What, what if people don't like us if we begin to talk about this? What will others think? Uh, maybe for you, you had this change in your life and you think, man, people know me. Right? People know my past. They know the things that I was a part of. They know what I did. If I, if I actually say okay to this, what are they going to think of me? If I actually give in and believe this good news, if I then begin to tell other people, what will people think about me? And so we, we become afraid because we don't know how people will respond. And so I want to just really, really quickly, three things I want to encourage you to do. You can ask the question to people, how can I pray for you? I don't know if I've ever met someone. Uh, I used to, uh, with a friend of mine, when I would have a meal, uh, we would a- often ask the waiter or waitress, hey, we're about to pray for our food. Uh, is there any way we could pray for you? It was unbelievable to hear the responses of a waiter or a waitress. Yeah, this is what's going on in my life. Most of the time, people are not going to stiff arm you. They're not going to reject the idea of someone praying for them. And so maybe you just ask a coworker, you ask neighbor, family members, Look, I know you maybe don't believe all of this, but, but I do and I want to pray for you. Is there just a way I can pray for you? And then you follow up. So you actually pray and if they share some things that are going on in their life, if they, they talk about a son or a daughter or a spouse or they need a job, then you come back and say, hey, I've been praying for you. How's that going? You just begin to create conversations. So you ask people how you can pray for them. You ask people to come and eat. You're going to hear me talk about this a lot in the coming months. That we have to get back around the table. We have to get back having meals with one another. This is what Jesus did. Jesus actually at one point was called a drunk and a glutton because he was spending time with the wrong people. He was spending time around the table with people that no one else would want to be seen with. He was around the table and he was having a a meal. And so maybe for your own family, maybe it's making sure if you don't already, you have one meal a week around the table. You just schedule it and you say, this is what we're going to do every Monday. We're going to have a meal together as a family. Maybe it's once a month or every other month. You invite other people into your home. You begin to have meals together and you care for one another. People here in the the Trinity community, the neighbors who live by you, coworkers, you just ask them for a meal. And then the third thing I want to ask you to do is just pray specifically for three people. If you want to write three people down, you want to put it somewhere where you see it often, but by name, begin to pray for those three people. And just pray that you'll have an opportunity to be a herald in their life. That you'll have an opportunity to herald the good news. That you'll pray for them and that you'll eat with them. So I just want to, I want you to hear me say that, that God is about using unlikely people to share the good news. It doesn't have to be someone who is highly intelligent. It doesn't have to be someone even that other people highly respect that this is about God and not about us. This was about God's power, not even about the shepherds. God could choose anything. God could choose anything to give this great news out and he chooses the the shepherds. And so again, those who often are seen as nobodies, God sees as somebody. And so I don't know how you see yourself today. I don't know what lies you have believed. I don't know what you think about your worth and that you don't belong. I just want you to hear me say today that you do. That just as called these people who are unlikely and undesirable, the last we would think who would be chosen to receive this message for the first time and to give it out, God sees you in the same way. And God wants to use you to be the voice of hope, the voice of peace, and the voice of joy. And so have you received it? Right? Have you received this good news that the, the Savior of the world, the one 
who wants to forgive us of all of our sins? Have you believed that and received that in your own life? If not, what keeps you from believing it? What, what keeps you from believing that you're in need of this Jesus? And then finally, if you have received it, I hope and pray that you'll be a herald of this good news. Not that we'll beat people up with it. Uh, not that we'll be argumentative about it. But that we'll go and we'll share. We'll share out of our experience what God has done. Greg's going to come up. And uh, we end with a song every week. Uh, it's kind of a declaration or a promise um, of, of what we hope God will do uh, in our own lives, in our homes, and in our communities. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for us. And for some of us, uh, you'll see people who will stand with their hands out. Uh, this is just a symbol or a sign of saying, yeah, I want that in my, my life. I don't want this just to be something I've heard or something I've said, but, but something I want. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for today. I'm thankful for these moments when we get to gather together and recognize who you are and what you have done. I'm thankful that 2,000 years ago, when Jesus entered into our world, that you chose a group of shepherds, the most unlikely group of people who gets to first share for this great joy, that they get to give the good news, that there's this baby that was lying in a manger in swaddling clothes, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. God, I'm so thankful for that truth. I'm thankful that I've been able to experience that in my own life. I, I pray for my friends who are here today who maybe wouldn't say that they're a follower of you, Lord. Maybe they doubt and they, they struggle with, but they just in these moments uh, even see the need for you, that your grace is available, that, that they can never be good enough to, to do enough to outweigh the bad in their lives, that you have paid the price and you have made a way for us to come back to you. And then, Lord, I pray that we would be bold in our faith, that because we've experienced hope and peace and joy, that obviously we want other people to know it, God. So would you help us? Would you help us to be heralds of this grace? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.